focus on the kingdom of God, what it looks like to be a part of that incredible kingdom. Um, I just want to recap because I want us all to be on the same page, okay? Is it all right if I give you a quick recap? Um, we, we've said that in order to be a part of the kingdom of God, right, to, to participate in this kingdom, we've got to respond to the invitation of God. God invites us all. He invites us all. And he gives us an invitation card called repentance. Repentance is a gift. Repentance is say, turn from your ways and follow me. Right? That is the invitation, a gift from God. Sometimes we look at repentance as a negative thing, but repentance is not a negative. We've been going through a series. Celebration. So a beautiful thing that God has given us, the ability to repent, to start over, to trust the Lord. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a great gift. So we also said that God is a God of affirmation. Not only did John the Baptist preach repentance, but we, see when, we saw when Jesus was baptized that God the Father spoke over him, blessed him, said, this is my son, and him I am pleased. That God the Father sent his Holy Spirit. He was empowered to do ministry. That God the Father gave him even a picture of his ministry and what it was going to look like. God is a God of affirmation. And we wanted you to hear that when God looks at you, he wants to affirm you. He wants to bless you. And you need the affirmation of the Father. Amen. You need you need the miracle of being able to receive God's grace and mercy and love, right? And we also said that the life of the kingdom of God, those who are surrendered to God, those who say yes to Jesus, is a life that's well-versed in trials and tribulations. Troubles, trials, and tribulations has come with the territory. But the reality is everybody has troubles. Everybody has trials. Might as well submit our trials and troubles to the Lord and make the Lord do something beautiful with it. Anybody with me? That's a good deal. And so today, as we continue uh, looking at Matthew, and we keep going verse by verse, we're looking there now at the life of Jesus where his ministry began, the, the ministry of Jesus, the beginning of his ministry. And I am so excited about this. I've got some pictures up there that I wanted to put up there to just show you uh, that really kind of relate to the ministry of Jesus because I got the opportunity to go to Israel and to hang out there and to see some things where Jesus ministered. And so that's one of the major roads that undeniably Jesus walked through. That is uh, those, that, those pillars that you see there on the left is uh, one of the temples found in Korasim, which is one of the places Jesus mostly hung out at over there by Capernaum area and Korasim and Bethsaida. And it was cool to just be there and say, wow, Jesus in, in this general area was ministering the gospel. And uh, that room right there is what they believe, check that room on the right, it's what they believe was the upper room. What many believe, that's part of the upper room. Remember the upper room where people got together and the Holy Spirit came and baptized them, right? And I was with this group, and they weren't too excited about the upper room. But they're like, hey, we're just going to be really quick. Let's just go to the upper room real quick, and then we'll go down. And I was like, we're going to do what quick? Can we just hang out at the upper room? Can we get some Holy Ghost in the upper room? Can we get some worship in the upper room? Right? I was like, how cool is this? Right? And so uh, it, Israel is just a neat place to go and see where the Lord ministered. But I got some pictures all across the slide because I believe um, I just wanted to share that with you as we look at the life of Jesus and the beginning of his ministry. Now, I want you to understand something. We don't only want to teach what Jesus taught. We want to minister like Jesus ministered. I don't want to just teach good stuff. I don't want to say, yeah, I believe that. I want to live it. I not only want us to hear good messages, affirm the right truth, but even though I affirm the right truth with my mouth and with my thinking, I'm not actually living it out. That's not the kingdom. It's not the kingdom of God. 
You know, I have a friend, and you guys know Kimber. When she was about 15, or excuse me, 14, she said that there was a young man that was really interested in her, and he knew that in order for him to have even conversations with Kimber, he had to express his feelings to her dad, Pastor Keith, and he had to ask for permission. So this young man had a card, and he said, you know, I would love, uh, Pastor Keith, if I had the privilege of being able to talk to your daughter, if you would be okay with that, I would love to give her a gift for Christmas. And Keith was like, well, what an outstanding young man. You know, I'm going to go ahead and give him that permission. And so he had that permission, but wouldn't you know it, uh, like two, three weeks later, he found somebody else he was interested in, right? You know, it happens, right? And the eight-year-old brother found out that this boy found somebody else that he was interested in. And this eight-year-old brother was not too happy. When he found out, he said really loudly, that two-timing loser, wait till I see him. (laughs) And one of the sisters said, you can't think that way. What would Jesus do? And immediately he says, I know what Jesus would do, but I know what I'm going to (laughs) do. Immediately, just like that. The flesh is quick. (laughs) You know, and there's a lot of us, I think we can say, yeah, yeah, I know what Jesus would do, but I know what I'm going to do. We wouldn't verbalize it like that, but we live that way. I think there's a lot of us that would do that. I know what Jesus would do. I know what Jesus would say. I know how Jesus would forgive. I know what Jesus would, you know, reach out, but I know what I'm going to do. And today, if we're going to be like Jesus... We got to learn to stop just focusing on his teachings and look at the person, Jesus. Say, God, I want to imitate you. I don't want to just be the guy who stands on this position about life or stands on this position about marriage or stands on this position about Christianity and have my walk not look like you. Affirm the right stuff and live the wrong way. We want not only to teach like Jesus, we want to minister like him. We want to live like him. I think a lot of the times we, we, when we read the scriptures, we look to scripture for God's blessings, and we should. We look to scriptures for direction, and we should. We look to scriptures for revelation, and man, we should. But we need to look to scriptures for Jesus. Jesus, how did you live? And how does that affect my life? My goal in life, your goal in life should be this, to be like Jesus as best as I can so that if anyone is following me, I can say to them, follow me only as I follow Jesus. I want that to be the reality for the rock. At the rock, we're saying we don't only want to teach what Jesus taught. We want to live how Jesus lived. We want to live like Jesus lived. And we understand that yesterday's culture and its setting was very different. When Jesus lived in that time, it was a very different deal. The politics were different. Technology was different. Communication was different. Transportation was different. And we're not trying to return to those days. I like technology. Glory to Jesus. Right? But Jesus is eternal. And the Jesus that was there yesterday is the same today, and he's worth emulating today. He's worth following today. I want to do life and ministry the way that Jesus did. Not just the teachings, not just the blessings, not just to know about him, but to imitate him. I want to ask you today, if you say that you're a Christian, 
do you imitate him or do you make him a superhero? There's a big difference. I was just talking about this with Brother Jack. I don't know if he's here, but we talked about this. There's a, there, there he is. There is this huge thing that we do where we make Jesus, wow, he's amazing. He's so awesome. He's up here. But he calls us up to be like him. And the Jesus that walked on earth was showing us an example on how to be like him. So now we look at the life of Jesus. And we look at that scripture. What does it look like to be like Jesus? Let's read verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Who also preached? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist. And here is Jesus preaching the same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. And he said to them, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and the father and their father and followed him. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, teaching, focus there, proclaiming the good news, proclaiming, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. Right? It's healing. It's miracle power. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain. The demon possessed. Those having seizures. And the paralyzed. And he healed them all. Some translations would say that. Some translations would say, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Okay. So what does the Bible tell us in these verses about the way Jesus ministered? Number one, Jesus counted the cost. Jesus, he counted the cost of ministry. If you notice in those verses that we just read, it says very clearly, Jesus knew that John the Baptist was arrested. And once he got arrested, what did he do? He withdrew. Why did he withdraw? We believe that he withdrew to be with the Father. He spent a significant amount of his life in prayer, seeking the will of God. The Son of God in prayer, seeking the will of God the Father. Such a mystery. But then he went into Galilee. And notice, what is the message that Jesus preached? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He knew what John preached. John the Baptist preached repentance. He knew what it got him. It got him arrested. It got him paying the price for Jesus. Jesus started his ministry 
well aware of the cost of the ministry. If you and I are going to be like Jesus, if you and I are going to make a commitment to follow him, to either do ministry or live like him, we have to count the cost. To love Jesus, to follow Jesus means that I'm going to have opposition. To be like Jesus means that not everybody's going to like me. I can't follow Jesus and have everyone like me. It's impossible. It is impossible. I want you to repeat after me. It is impossible for everyone to like me and for me to follow Jesus. Either I follow Jesus or have everyone like me. I'll tell you again, whoever said that, the phone I heard. It is impossible, it is impossible to please God, to live for Jesus, and have everyone like you. You just got to make up your mind that having people like you is not your goal in life. Can I talk to young people today? Where are our high schoolers and our junior highs and our kids today? You have a purpose and an identity in Christ. And you deal with all kinds of pressure. Be like this, be like this, be like that, do this. Cross this line, cross that line, watch this, watch that. All this kinds of pressure all the time. And you know in you, you know in you, I don't want to do this stuff. I don't want to do this stuff, part of you, right? Part of you is fighting against this. It is God saying to you, you don't belong to the world. You don't have to be liked. You don't have to be liked. It's totally okay. We, we live in America, and everybody thinks they're the main actor of the story. And the main actor is always liked. It isn't biblical. Jesus was crucified. John the Baptist was beheaded. Paul was beheaded. Bartholomew was skinned alive. Andrew was on the cross for three days. They were going to bring him down so that they could uh, to figure something else out. And he cried out to God, oh, no, God, I'm not, I don't want to go back to the land of the living. Take me now. And boom, he went to be with the Lord. John the Baptist was fried alive. I mean, John the uh, disciple was fried alive. We have to make a decision here. Either we're going to love Jesus or we're going to be loved by Liked by everyone. This is not going to work. And I can't make that decision for you. And I can't convince you to make that decision. But I want you to right now to decide. I want you to think about it. What matters most? Acceptance by everyone who will not be there for you when you're struggling. And who will not have everything, will not be able to give you an ounce of the strength or peace or hope that you need in that moment. Or holding on to the Jesus who can bring you through. You have a decision to make. I wish I could tell you that I did not lose friends when I came to Jesus. I wish I could tell you that there are people who do, do, that people don't slander me. Even right now. I wish I could tell you that there are people who, you know, are, uh, you know, they're supporting me and cheering me on. And, and that I don't have anybody who's against me. It's a lie from the pit. The devil's against me. And the devil has an army, and they don't like me, and I'm totally okay with that. I am free. I sleep easy. Hallelujah. If I don't got an enemy, there's something wrong. Now, I'm going to love my enemy. I'm going to serve my enemy. I'm going to care for my enemy because that's what God calls me to do. But I'm going to have them because I'm not going to compromise. 
which leads to another point. I'm going to count the cost. Jesus counted the cost, right? Let me, before I go to that, the Bible says, John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then another portion of Scripture, Acts 17, what, is, what do the people call the church? Troublemakers who cause trouble all around the world. That's like awesome. Troublemakers who cause trouble all around the world. Do you know that right now we're in that tension in America? Eventually we're going to be those troublemakers. And we're going to have a decision. To, we're going to be at a place of a decision. Are we going to be liked by the world or are we going to follow Jesus? The second point that I want us to see is that Jesus' ministry was a ministry of light in the darkness. Verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went and lived in Capernaum. And then verse 14, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Galilee, Galilee of the Gentiles, it's called Galilee of the Gentiles because even though that land belonged to Israel, it was really a land that was dominated by pagans, by, by those who worshiped false god, by those who loved their sins, by those who just were about business, about commerce, about their sin, and about idolatry. It was a huge pagan, pagan area. As a matter of fact, that cave that you see there, um, it's a gate. It's considered a gate. And uh, do you remember the portion of Scripture where God said to Peter, um, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the rock, the son. Uh, uh, excuse me, you are the son of the living God. And God says, yes, that truth is from God. And because of that, God renamed him, right, Peter? You'll be a rock. And God says, and the gates of hell which will not prevail against the truth. The gates of hell will not prevail against the truth. That place right there in Israel was called the gates of hell during Jesus' time. More than likely, Jesus was walking with his disciples. And he said, in that truth that the Holy Spirit has declared, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because there was a, a huge area of pagan worship, of idolatry of the worst kinds. And Jesus was saying, in Galilee... In the midst of that Galilee of the Gentiles where all that sin and darkness was, in the midst of all that mess and in the midst of that being celebrated, filled with a bunch of people, Jesus was saying, even that's not going to be able to overcome my truth. And the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. What do we see in Jesus? We see a Jesus who's not afraid of the darkness. We see a Jesus who a lot of the most powerful things that he did, most powerful encounters that people had with Jesus were outside of the synagogue, outside of the temple. I never see in Jesus someone who's intimidated of the darkness. Consequently, the religious environment of that time was the exact opposite. They had all these laws that they had to follow. They had to cleanse their hands a certain way, wash their feet a certain way, prepare themselves to eat a certain way because they were out in the world and the world was a dirty place. And if you're out in the world, you can't come to the table without doing all these spiritual ceremony stuff that's not even in the Bible. But they had to do it because they believed that the world had this kind of ability to corrupt someone. If they don't cleanse themselves up out of that corruption, then they can't come to the table, right? And Jesus was like, 
Remember, they were like judging Jesus because he wouldn't wash, his disciples wouldn't wash. He's like, man, that's not what it's about. But Jesus here, unlike the culture of the time, and dare I say the culture today, he's not intimidated of the darkness. For some reason, humanity always revert to this idea that we have to keep ourselves from the darkness. We got to keep clean. We got to keep in a box. We got to hide because that darkness, ooh, it can touch us. And for some reason, religion, this is the religion always retrieves. It retreats. It never advances the kingdom. So how do you know when your Christianity is more religion than relationship? Not just some simple questions. Do you have relationships with people who don't know Jesus? Are you connected with people who don't know? Are you looking for opportunities to serve in your community? Have you identified a darkness where you can be a light? There is this comfort tendency that I have that you have to just retreat into that which is comfortable. But when somebody's awakened to the kingdom of God, they understand. They don't just... Uh, memorize it they understand greater is he that is in me than him that lives in the world i will not be intimidated of the world or the spheres of the world because i'm supposed to be a light in that world i'm not going to be intimidated i'm the answer i'm the answer to that darkness look brother dj serves the city council right now for pemberville ohio right i think that's pretty cool he could have the attitude that says, well, politics is all corrupt. Ooh, I'm going to separate myself. No, he knows that he's the answer to the city of, or to the uh, township of Pemberville. And there's got to be some students here who say, my school may be dark, but I'm the answer to my school. Got to be some young adults who say, my workplace is dark, but I'm the answer to my workplace. There's got to be some families who say, I'm the answer. I'm going to stop trying to ask God to bless me out of my place where he's called me to be because that darkness is where I'm supposed to be the light. There's a fight in us. There's a fight in us that we need to wake up. We're constantly trying to retreat and remove ourselves from the very place God wants us to be so that we can be a light. But how will they hear? Tim, if you're not there, how will they hear? How will they know? How will men know that you can be sold out for Jesus? If you just left your workplace and went to wherever was comfortable around a bunch of brothers. Jesus was not intimidated of the darkness. And neither should you. Because greater is he that is in you than him that's in the world. Now I want you to think really quickly. I want you to think really quick. What's a darkness around your life, maybe around your area where you live? I want you to identify a darkness, a dark place that needs Jesus. Just right now. Okay? Now talk to me. Name some of those places. Work. Work. Jails. Jails. What else? YMCA. YMCA. What? Neighbors. Schools. The marketplace, whatever that marketplace may be, if you're in business. Huh? Downtown, Downtown right? Nursing. Nursing home. Now I want you to think. Senior center, right? I want you to think. Lord, show me. 
I pray, show me where the darkness is. Why are you praying that? Because your next prayer is this, Lord, show me how I'm supposed to be light in the darkness. What are we doing? Who was it that said, I'd rather be a light in the midst of utter darkness than to be a light at the chapel? Can I, can I challenge us that way? Is that okay? Jesus was light in the darkness. Number three, Jesus' ministry, he didn't compromise with the darkness. He went to the darkness. He went where darkness was, but he didn't compromise his message. What was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he preached that to a people who were prosperous. He preached that to a people who needed to repent and were prosperous. He preached that to a people who loved their sin. He preached that to a people who worshiped false God. He preached the same message. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, repent, repent. Jesus did not compromise his message. John the Baptist didn't compromise his message, and neither should you and I compromise the message. You know what I find about great place of darkness? Where the, great, the greater the darkness, the greater God's grace. Don't get me preaching glory. Anybody with me? The greater the darkness, the greater the grace. Because you're going to show up at a place and you're going to start talking about Jesus and representing Jesus. And somebody's going to say, that person is here in this place talking to me about God, a God of second chances for me. For me. Can God give me a second chance? And when that person starts considering that, the Holy Spirit's going to come in like a truck. Boom. Yes. And grace is much greater than any darkness that you'll encounter. So you got to start thinking, it's not, it's not about your words. It, it's, it's not about your ability to convince anyone. It's not about, you know, all that stuff. It's just Jesus and you being obedient to him to say whatever he calls you to do at the moment he calls you to do. God's grace is always greater than any darkness anywhere in the world, period. Amen? It's the truth. Jesus didn't compromise the message. Jesus then, he went into those dark areas and he ministered the truth of God's kingdom. We see today churches that are compromising the message. People who are compromising the message. They're saying, well, we want to be relevant. We want to be relevant. We don't want to disconnect. Uh, we want to make sure that our churches, and what I hear is, well, we're losing revenue because we're losing membership. And so we have to figure out a way to get people in the doors. Jesus doesn't care. Just doesn't care. It's about salvation. This is about eternity. Compromise is not love. It is the, a cowardly decision that neglects the duty of watchmen. Compromise is not love. It is leaving our post because we're too afraid to call people to the truth. Instead of letting people die in their sin. It's not love to let somebody get run over by God's judgment. Now, as we move on, we see that Jesus was not afraid of the darkness. We see that Jesus counted the cost. We see that Jesus didn't compromise the message. We also see that Jesus' ministry model style is team ministry. Team building. 
As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with the father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. We often read the scripture the wrong way. We read the scripture and we think, wow, what incredible faith Peter and Andrew had. Wow, how incredible that Andrew just left everything that he was doing to follow Jesus. And some people talk and argue about that theologically. Well, was it faith really? You know, because Jesus was a rabbi and it was an honor to be called to follow a rabbi. Some people say, no, it was great faith that they went out and they followed um, Jesus. And they, they start talking about how the disciples responded and how come they responded that way in, in their culture, just leaving everything with this guy that they didn't know. But that's the whole different focus. Matthew is not talking to you about how Peter and Andrew, and it, it, that's not the focus that Matthew wants you to focus on. He wants you to focus on the Messiah. The focus is Jesus here, not the disciples. And how did Jesus do ministry in life? And what he did was, as he began his ministry, he made sure that he began with others. He began with others. Jesus looked for others who would join him in the ministry work he was doing. Yet, did Jesus need the help of anyone? But he did recruit. Isn't that incredible? Now, do we need help? Do we need to recruit? Can I, can I get a, like, a, like a confident amen? <laughs> Jesus looked for others who would join him in the ministry work he was doing. Notice what Jesus did. Jesus gave them a new vision for life. Jesus said to them, hey, I see what you're doing right now, but here's what I offer you. You follow me, and instead of fishing for fish, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll give you influence to reach people for my kingdom. Jesus gave them a vision for life. Look at what Jesus did. He committed to engage in their transformation process. Not one of those suckers was in a, all of them were dimwits. All of them were a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. They all had issues. You have issues. I have issues. We all have issues, glory to God. Yet Jesus looked at Peter and looked at every one of them, and what did he say? He engaged. He said, come follow me. I'm going to give you a new vision. of This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you this. I'm going to engage with you in your transformation process. He committed he did life with them even though they had not arrived. He didn't quit on them. Now, that's the way Jesus did life in ministry. Is that the way you and I are doing life with others? Are we looking at others? Are we looking at our kids, at our families? And we're saying, let's engage in God's transformation process. Can you confidently say today that you're going out there and you're looking for people and you're trying to give them a new vision for life because you're sharing the good news of Jesus. You're telling them God has peace for you. He has joy for you. You don't have to live like this. Let's do life together. Let me show you some things. By the end of this, this is what God's going to do. That's the way Jesus did ministry. He gave them a vision and then he invited them to do life with them. Or are you just looking at people and speaking critical over them? Because that's not the way of the kingdom. You know, Jesus probably could have pointed out a whole lot of sin at that moment. 
You could have said, Peter, I want to use you, but you're a loud mouth. You never think about what you say. Your foot is constantly in your mouth. Andrew, you are critical, hypocritical, and I think you're going to walk away from me at one point. You sucker, Thomas, you doubt too much. I have no use for doubters. He could have said all kinds of different things. But instead he said, I know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with. This is what I'm going to make you. Do you believe that Jesus still has the power to make something new out of people's lives? And do you believe in that enough to shut up when you're about to be critical and speak life instead? Because that's what it is to be like Jesus. Oh, well, you know, I just call it like I see it. No, you're just partnering with the enemy, speaking curses. Do you believe that Jesus is able to transform? And do you want to partner with him as he transforms others? We're going to close with this. Jesus did ministry of people. None of them had arrived, but he used them mightily, and they changed the world. Not because he was critical, not because he was constantly pointing their sins at them, No, he just did life with them and said, okay, we're going to engage here. By the end of this, this is who you're going to be. I believe God calls us to be that way. A church that ministers like Jesus looks for others to do life with, gives new vision for life, commits to the transformation process, and doesn't quit in the process. Last thing, when you look at the way Jesus did ministry, his ministry is a powerful combination of preaching teaching, and miracles. Preaching, teaching, and miracles. The Bible says Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, teaching, declaring the truth, giving them a kingdom worldview, saying to them, you're seeing things this way, but this is the way the Father sees it, and I'm calling you up higher. He was preaching the good news. That means an invitation. Preaching is an invitation. I am inviting you to leave your old ways and to come follow me. I'm inviting you to a new life. That's the, that's the heart of preaching for the kingdom of God, bringing you into the kingdom of God, and then healing every disease and sickness among the people. So not only was he teaching so that people would know the truth, not only was he preaching, giving an invitation for people to come into the kingdom, but he was also through the Father, right, and, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, as he was, what, the, the Holy Spirit descended upon him, the Bible says, empowered for ministry, he went and he did many miracles, many miracles to convince people of the fact that, what, he was the Messiah. As a matter of fact, Matthew will point out all of the, uh, most of the miracles of Jesus for one purpose, so that we would know that Jesus is the Messiah, so that we would know that Jesus is the Deliverer, so that we would know that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was full of power. That's the whole deal, right? Now, Here's the deal. You can stand with me. If an usher can help me with this. Here's the deal. I don't want to just preach and make an invitation to be a part of the kingdom. I don't want to just teach and help us have the right biblical worldview. I need desperately the miracle power of God. What I mean is not something that I need to possess. I'm not trying to possess nothing. The gifts are of God. They're not mine. And I don't mean that you and I need to possess anything. But what I mean is that there has to be this desperate expectation in our hearts to say, God, 
in order for us to continue to teach and preach your word, we need to welcome the power of your Holy Spirit to do what we cannot do, change lives, heal people, deliver them from where they're at. We welcome you without apologies. Without apologies. Now, you know, um, I do not judge my brothers and my sisters in Christ who believe in Jesus, who have good doctrine, and they're not really excited about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they don't really care for miracles. It's totally, God bless you. God bless you. Continue to preach the Word of God. May the kingdom of God advance. But I believe that I was saved by the power of God, not so that I can depend on my own strength. And I believe that you and I are all going to go through so many things in life that we don't need another pretty message. We don't need another pretty song. We need the power of God to intervene right now. Right now. Anybody with me? We need miracle power from God to save us, to reach us, to deliver us, to redeem us. And I am not willing to go through life. I am not willing to do ministry without a desperation for his miracles, for his presence to change our lives. So here's what we're going to do. We want to be like Jesus. The whole deal here, we want to be like Jesus. We want to count the cost. We want to know where the darkness is that God's called us to be so that we can be the light. We will not compromise the message. We're going to look for others to do life with, to grow with. We're going to look for others that we're going to reach. And we're going to seek God for his power to transform us and transform those who surround us. Those are core commitments that we make. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Would you join me here at the altar right now? This is the real Jesus. I'm not talking about the nomination. I'm not talking about the assembly of God. I'm not even talking about church attendance. I love all those things. I'm talking about if you're here today and you're saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. What's the point of another church plant? What's the point of another service? What the world needs is Jesus. A sold-out commitment to be wannabes. I want to be a wannabe, a wannabe. People who are indistinguishable from Christ. Just want to be like Jesus. You're saying, I want to know how to be like Jesus in my school. The culture is different in your school than when it was when Jesus was alive. But in your culture, Jesus is power. Jesus is still the same. He still has power. He can reach. He, is be, he transcends culture. He's not limited by culture. Right now. you right now in your own words, just begin to say, Lord, I didn't come to church today to hear another message. I came because I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like you, Jesus. Jesus, raise your hand and begin to cry out, Lord, make me like you. I want to know you. I want to live for you. 
give me a passion for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you. wait right now here in this moment. Just wait before the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to be like you. It is Jesus who wants to meet you right here, right now. But you begin to pray right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be like you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be like you. Give me your mind, Jesus. I want to think like you. Give me your heart, God. I want to, I want to have a heart like yours. I want to break for the things that break your heart. I want to love like you love. I want to fight like you fight. Pray like you pray. Love like you love. Stand in the gap and not quit like you didn't quit. Hallelujah. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I not only want to be like Jesus, I also want to lead others to be like him. I want to be an influencer that leads others to be like him. If that's you, raise your hand right where you're at. Yes, Jesus. Lord Jesus, right now, every person here in the name of Jesus Christ, God, we pray right now. Oh, God, make us disciples who make disciples. Make us Jesus followers who look at the potential of others and speak life, Lord God, and speak life for the Peters and the Andrews and the Phillips, Lord God, that surround us in the name of Jesus Christ. Change us, oh God. Change us, oh God. We want to be more outward. We want to think more about others, God. We want to invite others in this journey, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, God. Yes, Lord God. Yes, Lord God. Yes, Lord God. Amen. So, Father, we bless you and we thank you. We say yes. And we know that we haven't arrived just like Peter didn't arrive, but we say yes. Would you teach us, Lord, to be like you, to think like you, to walk like you, to love like you, to not just celebrate your teachings, but celebrate you the way you did life by the way we do life. Transform our thinking, Father. And Lord God, teach us, teach us, Father God, that you transcend, you transcend culture, you transcend things. We can trust you today. We can trust you today. We can trust you right now. Teach us to say yes to you, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, so here, here's what we're going to do today. Praise God. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to start dreaming big. God may reveal to you something really big where you need a move of God to happen. I want you to start dreaming big because your God is able. We were talking about Keep Watch, the ministry that prays in school. The lady who's leading that just says, what if... What if I was able to pray at Start High School? What if they let me pray at Start High School five years ago? And then she said, what if we just start, what if every school was covered in prayer? Right now there are a hundred schools being prayed for with teams of people. I need you to dream bigger for your marriage, for your relationships, for your children, for your finances, for your ministry, for your schools, for your workplace. Our God is a bigger God than your limitations. I want you to dream bigger. What I want you to do is just, whenever God identifies that place where you're supposed to be a light, 
I want you to come up to the altar, talk to me, talk to the leaders. If there's any way, if you need help, that we can help you be a light and wherever God's called you to be, you just let us know. We'll pray and contend with you, believing that God is going to help you. If it's your schools, you let us, I let every, every teen here know. Wherever you go to school, whatever that looks like, I will meet you in your lunchroom. I will bring you lunch. We'll pray together. We'll do whatever it takes for you to be Jesus in your school. We're here for you. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not. And I don't, at 15, anybody made an offer to take me to lunch, I would never say no to that. I don't. I would never say no to that. But here, here's another deal. So I'm going to release you in God's blessing and God's favor. But maybe you're here and you need us to partner with you in prayer. I'm going to call the altar workers to remain here. Maybe you need a healing touch from God. Or, you know, you need a miracle from God. We want to particularly today pray for families. We want to particularly pray for those who need a miracle touch from God, who need healing. And we also want to pray for those who just, there's a situation, a mountain that you're facing, and you need God to come through because it's out of your control. If that's you, I want you to just, if you guys would make, allow those people to come right here to the front, if you would allow them to come up to the front, if that's your need, what we're going to do is we're going to have our altar workers, those who pray at the altar, join you in prayer. And we're going to do this, we're going to do this consistently every Sunday. Every Sunday after the message, I want you to know that the altar workers and myself, we're going to be here just for that, praying for healing, praying for God to remove your mountains, praying for God to give you direction, praying for God to restore your marriage, right, to work in your life. That's why we're here. That's why we do this every Sunday, because this is our way of saying we welcome the miracle power of God to do what we cannot do. So here we are. If that's you, we'd love to pray with you. Now, let me bless you. I love you guys. I believe in you. I believe in your commitment. May God continue to lead you to be like Jesus. Isaac, I believe in you. I believe in God's calling in your life. Go in the strength of the Lord. May God bless you, and may he finish the work that he begun in all of your lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer, remain here. We love to pray with you here at the altar.